welcome to episode number 156 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This show is brought to you by Fan Booster by Traject, which is the world's most complete social media management tool. And it's my tool of choice when it comes to scheduling, managing, and especially reporting on social media. You can try them out for yourself for free by clicking the link in the show notes of the podcast. Now, as you know, we are wrapping up our month all about content systems, and I'm super excited to have Erin Trafford on the show. She is a digital visibility and story strategist specializing in helping entrepreneurs and small businesses find and refine their path to revenue via story, visibility, and modern online sales strategies. She's an award-winning journalist, blogger, consultant, and strategist. And she's worked with dozens of brands across North America, including Giant Tiger, Home Hardware, Staples Canada, all of our favorites here, to create and develop content and influencer marketing campaigns. Now, before we dive into this conversation with Erin, I want to remind you that you do have access to our absolutely free course, onlinedrea.com slash free, that really helps give you a foundation to building a social media strategy that works for you. So as you go through today's interview, use what you learned today, apply it in the free course, and get started with your social media strategy today. You can find that again at onlinedrea.com slash free. Erin, welcome to the show. Hey girl, thanks for having me. What a great intro. I'm so excited. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So I'm excited too, because when I first came across your brand, I was like, oh, she gets it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like you have this understanding of, of what makes good marketing, but how did you even get started in this world? Like, where did this begin for you? Oh my word. How long do we have? Um, <laughs> it's funny you should ask that because as we're recording this, I mentioned just before we hit go that I'm in the depths of writing the new website. And part of that was really going back to the nascent stages of how I got to do what I do and writing my new about page and really stepping into it. And you know, the long story told short uh, form version is I've I've been this way my whole life. I think I was born um, to see story. And in fact, you know, sometimes I go down the human design path with my clients and it is in my human design to see and amplify other people's stories. So that's a little bit of sort of the spiritual side of how I got started. I was born and that's how it started. But I mean, from an actual career standpoint, you know, I took the typical path. I went to university. I actually studied, uh, philosophy and ethics and consciousness, which surprisingly ties a lot into marketing and storytelling. Um, but then I went, you know, hardcore, did an MA in journalism. I worked in newsrooms across the country in Canada for 16 years. Um, so I've done radio, television, print. I've hosted talk shows. At one point, I was the youngest female talk show host in Canadian history on the airwaves. That's like a little feather in my cap. Cool. So, you know, I've interviewed prime ministers. I've covered 18 elections uh, in, in both stateside and in Canada. Um, I've done a lot of storytelling. In the background, though, I started this lifestyle blog. And it was kind of, I like to say now that it was my quiet rebellion against self-hatred because I found every day I'd go to the newsroom and I was being called on to tell stories that kind of sucked, you know, like murder and politics and things that were really rough. So in the background, I started talking about really happy things like home decor and lighting and paint. 
And, and lo and behold, my storytelling skills from the newsroom translated incredibly well online. And that business took off and, you know, it grew and it grew and it grew. So here I find myself eight years into my solopreneur journey, and I'm now able to call myself a story strategist because I have activated and told stories at pretty much every single level. So there's the Coles Notes version for you. <laughs> I love that. And I love that it's, you started this with, with your own personal interest and inclination towards storytelling, because I do find that for those business owners who do struggle with this, it may just not be something that comes naturally to you, right? But it can be learned. And someone who maybe does pick it up a little bit more naturally like yourself can pass on that knowledge to someone who does it. So I really appreciate that you started there. I'm curious though, what's your definition of a story strategist specifically? Ah, so I, and I also joked with my team. I was like, I kind of made that up. Like I, I had never seen anyone else call themselves a story strategist until one day I was like, that's what I am. So it, for me, it's, it's representative of the duality of how to feel a hundred percent aligned, especially when we're online. So story to me, as, as you can kind of appreciate is much more of what I will say is a softer, more spiritual confidence-based knowing yourself and knowing your person kind of craft, right? You never perfect it. You're always nurturing it. You're always refining it. Whereas the strategy part is what I learned running a lifestyle blog and just kicking it in the digital space from a KPI metrics measurement. So I also some, sometimes say that being a story strategist is the full embodiment of both sort of the feminine and the masculine approach to marketing. It's it's the who are you and how are you wanting to show up to feel good? Okay, and like now let's really show up and make some money. So that's the story strategist. That's where that came from. I don't know if it works for anyone other than me, but that's that's the name I chose. <laughs> Yes. And I think I, I like it. And, and one of the questions that pops into my head is, you know, if we're talking about story, how is that different from like producing content? Yeah. Okay. Such a good question. And, and I like full admission, I called myself a content strategist for years and years and it just never felt right until, you know, I, I ran my own method on myself and discovered, oh, there's more to my story. There's more here. So the difference I say between a story strategy versus a content strategy is story is a principle. It's something that frankly really never changes. And I, and I like to say, you know, think back in your mind to a time when you were, you know, nine or 10 years old, right? And you were playing in the backyard or you were having ice cream or something and you were thinking about who you were and what you wanted to be. Those thoughts and those emotions and those realities, those feelings, those values that you had as a child are likely very similar to how you are today. You still value things like being outside, mother nature, singing and dancing, whatever it may be, right? That's the essence of story. It's this part of you that does not change, but that tends to get convoluted over time. When we operate from that place, especially as women, especially online, we become magnetic because we are so confident and authentic. 
We place that against our content strategy, which is absolutely necessary. You need both in order to succeed. Don't get me wrong. The content strategy is where the sale happens. So the story strategy is where you sit and where you find your confidence and where you feel full almost from from a strategic and a soulful perspective. It's a principle. The content strategy is the tactic that will shift and evolve based on whatever platform you're using, whatever kind of thing you're selling. Content is created in order to activate a sale. Story is told in order to activate the soul behind the sale. It kind of sounds like the story part is more internal and then the content is more of an external reflection, maybe of pieces of that story. Yes, it completely operates that way. And and the two really kind of flow back and forth. There's a lot of interplay. Um, But from, you know, I like to think of it, story is the principle, story is the foundation and the content is the tactic that you lay over top right? They're, they're two very important pieces, but I find, I find my clients when they come to me, they have tried all sorts of cookie cutter content strategies and nothing has stuck. And the reason is because I say there's more excavating to do. We need to dig underneath and find out why the foundation is wobbly. What's, where's the wobble? Let's like clear that up, solidify that, make you feel good, no wobble, then let's build your content strategy. And can I, can I swear? Ish, ish starts to happen. (laughs) I'll say ish. Ish starts to happen when you do that kind of work first. Yes. And I love that we're digging deep because, you know, I talk about this all the time on the podcast. Tactics only work if you've got that foundational strategy underneath and you Mm -hmm. truly understand why you're applying a certain tactic. So I'm curious if someone's, you know, listening to this and they go, okay, I really want to start digging deep. What's the first step that they can do? Is it, is it journaling or, or what, what do you suggest they do to really start peeling back those layers? Yeah. It, a great question. There's a lot of different ways you can, you can peel the onion, I guess. Like that's, you know, that Shrek thing was like, oh, I'm peeling my onion. That's a little bit what it is. Right. So you can sit down and you can start to peel the onion in a multitude of ways. Journaling is one way I use journaling. Um, I work with my clients to create what we call a story bank, which is it's a, it's a more refined version of a brain dump. It's a guided brain dump that really helps to pinpoint the story and where the strategy might be in the story. But something I do, it's a good exercise that I can share. And, and it's a fun thing is, um, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one is if you sit down and you get really real with yourself about what you want people to say about you behind your back. And as women, that's like, whoa, girl, like, what did you just ask me to do? And it's like, not what they do say about you, but what do you actually want them to say about you? And if you start doing your story excavating from that place, I can almost guarantee it's never not happened. It's never not happened that you end up someplace that feels incredibly aligned with what you want to do next. I've had clients who have gone down that route, you know, sometimes they cry, sometimes they'll, you know, 
I, I host people in my office here. So we do in-person story sessions sometimes. And I'll, I've had I've had clients be like, hold up, we need to dance. And like, we'll put on the Google and we'll dance it out. We go down that route and all of a sudden it becomes, it's like they're unburdening themselves. It's like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to show up. Okay, so this is actually the product I need to launch next. Or this is the newsletter that I have been avoiding writing. And now I've given myself permission to just write it. Things like that happen. And it's hard to explain because it is a little bit of a spiritual experience, but it's also extremely strategic. I love that. Yeah. And I'm curious, um, you know, as we start writing that down, you know, the question of how do we want to be perceived or thought about when we're not in the room behind our yeah. backs, you know, um, as we start coming up with these stories, how do we then translate those into content, like into social media content? So I also use the concept of looking for evidence of, and this is where a lot of the research that I have done, you know, through my, through my academic life, through study of consciousness and so on and so forth, really plays into how I work with my clients is because when you are looking for evidence of something being true, you are actually, from a neurological perspective, forming pathways in your brain that help you believe it to be true. So here, I'll give you like an easy example. So let's say somebody says, well, you know, I'll, I'll say, what do people say about you behind your back? And, you know, usually people are like, well, they say I'm awesome or they'll say I'm nice or like, you know, I have pretty hair or like something like that, right? I'm like, mm. first of all, if someone's describing you as nice to me, I'm like, there's, there's something else going on there. You don't want people describing you as nice, right? Let's dig a little further. What do you want them to say about you? Well, I want them to say that my work is life-changing, okay? Or they'll say, well, I want them to say that, you know, I, I'm not just a doctor, I, I heal people, like a different feeling of word. Okay, so now we're going to sit down and we're going to work to find actual evidence in your lived and learned experience of that being true, and when that, and, and those are the, that's where we start to write the content. That's where we start to break things down into those, you know, whether it's social media or it's newsletters, sometimes that content ends up in a paid program because it ends up revealing some sort of proprietary framework that the client had not been able to see before. So a lot of things can happen when we get really real with the story we really want to tell. Um, it happened to a client of mine who had that example. She's a, a, a medical professional. She said, people just look at me like, you know, uh, transactionally, but I actually heal people with deep, deep wounds. So we built a strategy from there. And, you know, within six months, she had been able to double her prices. She was booked out. She was like, it was just insane what happened to her with that small tweak. But it all started with us looking for evidence that, what she wanted to do was actually possible for her. Mm. So with this um, storytelling strategy, I'm curious how it shows up on your own social media, because it, it is kind of different. And I do find that, you know, when we're, when we're marketing ourselves with something that's a little bit different than what we see out there, there's a lot of education involved. So I'm curious, like your approach to your own social media, how do you create your content um, and how do you make sure that you are consistently creating content and not getting burned out by, you know, all of the things that we could be doing on social media? 
all of the things. My storytelling really shows up in my newsletter. So I get a lot of replies and a lot of comments and um, to my newsletter because that's where I ask my subscribers to sink in with me and I'm really, really honest about it. And I'll usually tell a story, explain why it was effective, right? And sometimes it's a story about me. Sometimes it's a story about my clients. Sometimes it's something I've seen. So that's where I start to do more of like the show, not tell is in my newsletter. Um, In terms of Instagram, if I can be perfectly freaking honest, I kind of just, I know how I want to show up day in and day out. So when I feel called to show up, that's, that's what I do. And in my stories, it's very much that blend. I'll talk about family life and storytelling in that capacity on the weekends. And then I go business during the week, but that's what people expect of me now. And I think for, from my personal side of, of running my business and using social to promote myself, it's effective because my clients see that I walk the walk, that I'm not just following some sort of rubric that I'm very much in the moment, but deliberate and intentional. I have been struggling to describe this to my students and clients because oftentimes some of them need the rubric to follow at first. It's almost like knowing what rules you need to break. Right. So I'm curious for you, if you have any ways to describe understanding those intuitive urges. So there's a difference in my opinion, between feeling called to post something and feeling inspired versus feeling guilty and like, oh man, I haven't posted in three days. I have to say something. Like there's a fine line there. And I'm curious on your perspective on those two feelings, because I think that's where people typically start producing content for the sake of producing because they feel like they should versus feeling inspired to talk about the work that excites them so much. Oh, everything you just said. So I just got, I call them like little bubbles. I get little bubbles in my chest when someone says something that I'm like, yes, yes. And that's, that's actually comes back to the concept of like the human design. And I don't know how much you've gone into that or you do with your clients, but I am a sacral generator on the human design chart. So when I agree with something, my body says yes first. So, so knowing some of those cues about yourself to discern between whether you're feeling guilty about not doing something or you're feeling called to do something is an important thing to learn about yourself. But back to what you said about about the I should post, therefore I do post, right? Part of letting that go or part of not feeling that guilt is developing the story lens. And so that you can see the stories when they happen. So you're never in a situation or you are rarely, I should say, in a situation where you don't have something to talk about, A, and B, you don't have something to talk about that ties to your core value. But it's in developing that lens. I had a conversation with a with a she's a colleague and a client um, last week, and she's in the social media world. She she trains businesses how to use social media and this and that. And she says, and I, you know, she booked a call with me and we were chatting, and I said, You don't need my help, you've got this figured out. And she said, she said, Aaron, like I understand the mechanics and I understand I can teach people the rubrics and I can, you know, do all of this. And she's like, but I don't see the stories yet. And she said, I feel like when I see them, 
I will be able to put down that, you know, heavy bag of carry that I'm carrying around that says, I have to post a graphic. I have to post for Groundhog Day. I have to post for whatever international cat wear a hat day, right? Like you can put it down because your story lens is what informs how you show up. And, and the other thing is, man, if you don't feel like posting, don't. It's not going to resonate. If you don't want to do it, just don't do it. Yes. I say this all the time too, where uh, this happened specifically with LinkedIn, where people said, somebody told me I should be on LinkedIn. And I logged in and was like, I hate this platform. (laughs) If you don't like it, you're not going to use it. And I promise you, you can find people on other platforms. (laughs) Like You don't have to use any particular tool. It's just that a tool you can choose which one you use. And, And the other thing about posting every day or like posting on a schedule is like nobody else cares. Like nobody else is thinking about you not posting as even to the nth degree that you are thinking about yourself not posting. Now don't say, I'm not, don't take that as I'm giving you an excuse to not do the work and not show up. But like, if you're really feeling down in the dumps and you're just having a day of it and you're like, oh, I need to post on Instagram. No, no, you don't have a day. Tomorrow will be another day. (laughs) Yes. So agree. So agree. Um, One of the things you said earlier is that the magic happens really in your newsletter, but you Mm -hmm. use Instagram as a way to kind of nurture some of those people. So can you tell me a little bit about the process of getting people from Instagram into your newsletter? Yeah, I, I just talk about it. I, I, I flat out, I, and, and I do have a process and I say that with bunny ears, um, where my, my team, actually will help me identify who's really warmed to me the most on Instagram. And, and I'll pull them into the DMs. We'll have chats. I'll um, oftentimes if somebody tells a story on Instagram and I see how they could be better leveraging it and I know them or I have a pre-existing DM Insta relationship with them, I'll fire them a note and I'll say, listen, like, here's what, here's what you can do with this. And I'll either invite them into my Facebook group or I'll invite them onto my newsletter list or both. So Really like my approach to this is because I know that the work that I do is quite personal because story is intensely personal. It feels better for me to use social media at that very personal level. So I'm not out there trying to amass tons and tons of followers. While that would be nice, I would much rather have the ability to be nimble on that profile so that I can see what other people are doing and react and interact and really show them how I can help them on a personal level. Yes. All about relationships. I'm a hundred percent here for it. Um, and I think that, you know, as business owners, specifically those of us who have personal brands, there's magic that happens when you stop seeing your followers as a number and you start seeing them as individual people who potentially you could have a relationship with, which I love. Now yeah. you did mention Facebook groups. So I'm curious what your approach is to Facebook groups and how that's different from your Instagram strategy. So Facebook groups is just a place where I can have closed conversations, very specific. So I'll, I'll say that was a content tactic that we used because there's a lot of stuff that I do I like to talk. It's easy for me to be on camera. That's my TV, my radio brain. So I wanted a place where I could just, if I felt inspired and Insta stories wasn't it, I could, I could fill people's buckets in another way. So that's how we're using the Facebook group. We're also, we also run workshops and like, you know, stuff when I'm called to do it in there. 
but it's all kind of one big nebulous community in my mind. I, we don't really have a separate strategy for any platform except LinkedIn, where I do have a little bit of a separate strategy there because there I know that I'm talking more to the C-suite or the VP exec level. And that's just a different, it's a different tone you have to strike in your storytelling. Same stories, different tone. So we work a little bit on, on that show up strategy versus Insta and, and Facebook. Now you've mentioned your team a few times. How do they play in with the storytelling? Which pieces do your team support with and which pieces are all you? Um, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. So I have an ops manager and she takes all the stuff that I suck at and does that. So that's good. <laughs> like, like scheduling and math and all that stuff, um, and calendars. Uh, but I do have two members who, who, who directly work with clients with me. So once clients come to me and we do the deep story work, which is really my zone of brilliance, um, I bring in uh, my media team and we will work on that particular client's show up strategy. So sometimes it's pitching podcasts like, like this one that we're on right now. Um, but within that strategy is the story. And the reason that this is an effect, we're so effective at this is because of my journalism background. Like, girl, you can't sit on news desk for 16 years and receive like dozens of pitches from PR people a day and not know how to reverse engineer a pitch to get picked up. Right. And, and I'll tell you plainly, like 2020 last year, I was pregnant. I was in a pandemic. I was growing a business. There was a lot of stuff going on. I hired a PR agent to help me with visibility on one of my new programs. And I dropped the ball because I didn't really focus on what was going on. I had a lot of other things. I kind of just trusted it was happening. And when I looked back at what was being done, it was like not storytelling. It was thin. It wasn't storytelling. And as a result, not a lot of pickup came from that work. And that investment was just kind of meh. So when we work with clients, I insist that we do the story work first, because from there, your pitches, whether they're press releases, earned media, podcasts, joint ventures, partnerships, whatever it is you want to do is so much stronger. And when you do get that visibility, right? The story plus the visibility, you are also able to more confidently show up because it's a hundred percent aligned with the story you want to tell. Whereas, you know, with this PR agent, when I hired her, the story felt like it was always sort of being jerry-rigged and like we were trying to mash the Tetris pieces together and it just never clicked. And I realized it was just because the story wasn't there. So that's what I bring my team in to support with that kind of work. And it, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty stinking magical. And I have hired two, like I have two journalists on the team. So they know they have the brain. Yes. Okay. I love your team structure too. I'm always curious about this. And I know a lot of folks listening either are in the camp of hiring their own team or becoming yeah. the team for other people. And so I, I love that perspective for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was uh, when I, I, I hired, um, well, the Gracie, our coordinator is straight out of J school. So I hired her for our internship and then just kept her on and um, she's fabulous. Yay, I love that. Um, okay, so question about time, because a lot of the people listening as well, they're doing it themselves. 
So I would love to hear your perspective on, you know, if you're a solo entrepreneur, how much time do you think you, you would spend on this? And then as you grow your team, I'm curious to hear about how much time you personally spend now. It depends two things. There's a couple caveats. Are you a writer or are you a talker? You have to be one or the other. <laughs> right? You have to get it out of your body somehow. And then I guess, are you a typer or are you a, a full, you know, pen and paper? So make that determination because that will change how long you need to spend on things. I do a combo. I like to type. I like to talk. So when you're first starting your story bank, and I know we're going to talk about my free resource that will get you started with my method for building this story bank, give yourself give yourself a VIP day, give yourself a CEO day, whatever, put it in the calendar and say, this is going to be my commitment to doing the, I say, doing the hard work before you do the grunt work and go through some prompts and sit down with whatever it is, your, your dictation or your notepad or your keyboard and get it all out into a bank. Take a day and of that day, maybe take three hours to do that. Have a snack, have a glass of wine, whatever. Then go through, take another hour to 90 minutes, no more than that, and go through and highlight the themes that you see popping out and then plunk those into your KPIs and your launch plans and your show up strategy. So really, if you're doing this with any degree of consistency, one to two days per month, maybe. And that's if you really like giving yourself, you know, like snack on the couch time, like maybe, (laughs) It's not a lot of time. Okay, good. So it's like a pretty big investment. I love the difference between like hard work and grant work. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, now I'm curious about you personally. So especially for the thing, the the strategy pieces, or sorry, the implementation pieces. So your social media and your newsletter. Yeah. How much time would you say you spend on those two things? Um, not a lot. Not a lot. I write the newsletters. Like I sit down. I think about, you know, what's the story I want to tell? How do I want to show up? You know, what do I need to fill my people up with today based on my values, my story, and who I want to be? Write the newsletter, send the newsletter. I don't put people in funnels very often unless it's very specific for a very specific reason. Um, It's just the way that I work. I would rather sit down and write in the moment. Now, for clients of mine who who like the funnel system, that's totally fine. I'm not knocking that it'll take you a little long. You'll, you'll work in different bursts. You'll work kind of like one day out of two weeks instead of an hour every week. So if I were to put a time frame on it, the amount of time I spend between my Facebook group, my Instagram, LinkedIn, and my newsletter, uh, I don't know if it's two or three hours a week, maybe. Does that sound like a lot? I don't even know. Actually, I think that sounds very reasonable. Um, what I hear from people is they spend a lot more time than that. And that, and I think that, you know, one of my theories is that it's because they're trying to develop the stories as they're writing yeah. their newsletter or their social posts. And the strategy that you've talked about today is you give yourself that space to like put all of these thoughts together in, in a structured way. And then when you go to write the Instagram post or the newsletter, you've already done the hard work. So now it's just, you know, maybe using a different angle or maybe using a different example or something like that, but you're not sitting down to create something new when you go to write the, the Instagram post. Because, and here's where you can get wooey is you can never actually create anything new. 
you, your story is going to come out eventually. It's just a matter of how hard you make it on yourself. So if you give yourself that time to sit and do the banking process, and you know, when I do it with clients, sometimes I will direct, I'll ask them a question and they will, they will direct, just speak, 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 and I'll capture that. And then I'll show it back to them. And they'll be like, who said that? That's brilliant. Be like, you said that. And yes, it's brilliant. Let's copy that and put it right in your newsletter. Like there's no, the work on the grunt work side is so much less when you do the hard work side first. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So tell us about these, these prompts, because at this point, <laughs> I'm sure we want to like get a little bit of a jump start on this process. Yeah. I figured that it was, I wasn't, I'm not a templatey person, um, but I wanted to, to offer people a tool that they could use to show them how easy it can be to start that excavation process. So they really are. It's 77 in a row. And I don't intend for you to use them every single day because that would be that would be a lot. So, you know, once every or, you know few days, two times a week, you'd have a year's worth of stories to tell if you went through every single one of these prompts. And not all of them are going to resonate. Some of them are going to make you feel a little uncomfortable and that's okay. Some of them are going to spark crazy inspiration. But the point is that when you use them, you're going to take one step closer to being more fully aligned with your story. So some of the feedback I got when I first launched them was like, wow, this is amazing. I recognize instantly that I'm not going to sound like anybody else. And yet I'm going to feel completely strategic and aligned. That's the point. Not filling the blank. Okay, good. Yes. I think that that will resonate with a lot of people as well, because, you know, we've probably downloaded a million zillion fill in the blanks, right? And they can help to some extent, but this really digs deeper, that peeling the onion concept. So check out that link. It's in the show notes. Erin, thank you so much. Where else can we hang out with you online? Um, you can come find me typically in my bathrobe, usually carrying a baby on Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm at its.aaron Trafford, uh, and all my social links are on the website as well as just aarontrafford.com. So come say hi. Yes, I love that. And we will also put those links in the show notes. So y'all check out Aaron's Insta. And with that, we are wrapping up our episode next week. We're talking all about managing your social media community, what to do when they're positive and what to do when they're not so positive. So join us for that episode then. And hey, if you love the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. We love the support we get from this show. We have been consistently in the top 100 of the marketing uh, podcasts in the US and Canada, and now in the UK and Australia. And it's all because of you, dear listener and viewer. So show your love there, and I will see you next week. Bye for now.